Have you ever wondered why the blood of Jesus is so special? Or why God chose Jesus' blood as the redeeming component for the redemption of man's sins? Why not his flesh or water or an element found in his heart? What is it about the blood? Scripture references 369 verses on blood, so clearly God is trying to show us something indelibly significant. But what is it? Join us now as we examine the medical and scientific analysis, then compare these observations in the light of Scripture. Newsflash. Hold on to your seat because this truly reveals how Jesus is the sinless Son of God and why did God choose blood. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited for today's topic. It's why did God choose blood? What is it about the blood of Jesus that was shed at the cross of Calvary that has these redeeming characteristics or qualities? What is it specifically? I personally have been guilty of of glossing over it over the years. You know, I think of the I, I I think of greater love hath no man than to shed his life for for another, and clearly that is the case with Jesus at Calvary. He shed his life for all of mankind, and I think of the blood, and and you think of what was sacrificed there. But as we'll see, and and, and I'll be covering this, the Bible has three hundred and sixty nine verses when it pertains to blood. So that's not there, you know, just by happenstance, if you will. I've often said that God is in the details, and we're going to find that he is in the details of this. And what do I mean by that? I want to take a little uh, detour down uh, through through the definitions of medical science. What does medical science have to do in terms of their analysis of the blood and the body chemistry and the roles and the impacts that, that, that it has in the human body and, and for that matter, in aquatic animals and, and mammals and so forth? Um, there, there are some fascinating uh, components to this that line up that I, I, I was just, I was personally floored. And I've shared this information with a number of other people and, and they felt the same. They were like, well, we, we've never learned this before, and it made so much sense, and it gave them, and I believe it will give you, by the time we finish, a greater understanding and appreciation of who you are in Christ Jesus and just how, how special the blood of Jesus really is. Uh, I, I, cannot, I cannot overstate this enough. So, uh, you know, if you're not a Christian, I would just ask if you wouldn't mind uh, to sit back with an open mind and listen or, or, or watch whatever the platform that you're on. And uh, you can see some things here that are pretty, pretty compelling in terms of, boy, that, that really does. The, the medical definitions and the uh, analysis and the observations that we have made specifically even the last 30, 40 years really do pertain to what was laid out in, in the Bible and uh, there were some things that were laid out. We can go back to Moses' writings that medical science discovered thousands of years later. So on that note, before I begin, uh, I, I just have to get a couple of quick brief announcements in. Please, whatever platform you're on right now, whether uh, it's YouTube or the different podcasts and Rumble, if please hit the like and the subscribe button. Subscribe to our channel. Uh, ring the bell. 
and and give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Uh, you know whether you like or dislike, or if you've got to, if you want to share some additional information, it really helps us. And for so many of our YouTube subscribers, thank you. And Russick Outlook, uh, we have moved our platform from the the. Uh, the link from Russick Outlook over to Rumble. And, and I, I've shared recently, I was put in uh, YouTube jail for something like this. And for my podcast listeners, I'm just motioning to my arm. Uh, it was nothing that, you know, intentional. It was just some direct reporting that I made that was actually almost a year ago uh, on a couple of podcasts. And then there were some other things. And uh, But at any rate, I, I we did this because I don't ever want to take the chance. I want to reach on whatever platform it is. Um, if you're with me for the first time, my heart and my passion is to get to the verifiable truth of, of, of Jesus. And, and I do that through the avenues of not only the Bible, of looking at our history, archaeology, eyewitness accounts, and many other uh, sources. So that's really my heart is to get to the truth so that I can relay that to you and you can make an informed decision if you don't know Jesus. And if you do, maybe this information will either help uh, uh, bolster your faith or maybe there's something on here that you can share with others. And on that note, please, if you could, share, you know, share the information, post it on whatever uh, social media platform you're on, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want, I don't want to um, uh, go at this too, too much. But uh, last, if you wouldn't mind, uh, go to the Russick Outlook. Please join our email list. We notify you of new events uh, and new presentations for net for net. No, I'm sorry for for Zoom. Uh, we we are doing some different live Zoom presentations, and we have one coming up on November 12th, and on how do you reconcile UFOs with the Bible? It's from 4 to 5:30 Eastern time. Everybody and anybody is invited. Uh, it's a very loose format where we go through the material. And if you have questions, comments, you're free to join in and, uh, and share. Because I've always said that, you know, iron sharpens iron and, and we benefit from one another's comments. So on that note, let's get into this. Uh, I apologize for the announcements. Oh, I will say that we have a new website out. So if you wouldn't mind uh, hopping over to russicoutlook.com and check out the website, let us know what you think. We're trying to make it easier for people to navigate and to look up some older material, perhaps, that, that you wanted to reference. So let's get into this. Let me do this. So, as I said, why did God choose blood for man's redemption? And I'm, I'm subtitling this a biblical transfusion because if you think about it, if we're covered in the blood of Jesus, that, that actually replaces uh, our, our blood. But what I wanted to, to get at right from the very beginning and I'm, I'm going to be gearing this. Let, 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 me, let me put it this way. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to be gearing this towards specifically assuming you are a believer that you know Jesus and that you understand the blood of Jesus and the word of God. And the reason I say that is it's, it's a bit of a mature uh, uh, review here. And it's making some assumptions uh, on my part that you understand about the blood and the word of God. The reason I say this is the word of God is alive. And if you are a Christian, you understand what I mean there. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, was the word was with God and the word was God. God and the word, his word are synonymous with one another. In the very, very beginning in Genesis, from the very first verse on, it was Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and it was the word. The word of God was present in the very beginning. 
And it goes on to say, you know, in the New Testament, John, John reveals that, uh, and the Word became flesh, meaning that Word of God that's synonymous with, with the Trinity walked out and, and uh, uh, walked as a man on the face of the earth in, in, the, in the nature of Jesus Christ. What, and the reason I say all of this is uh, it, it says here in Leviticus that life is in the blood, and medical science bears this out. And, and we'll be covering some of this. And the reason I'm, I'm really harping on this is the Word of God is alive. And I'll, I'll, let me go back to the slide. So I'm going to read here Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So that's very, very specific. And if life is in the blood and the blood is covered from Genesis to Revelation, and, and life is there. That is what makes the Word of God alive. And, and that's kind of a, I think, a sentence or a thought that you may not have considered. I, I've not really phrased it or framed it that way in my own mind till recently, um, because I've, I've, you know, I, I've had that uh, revelation in, in my life that the Word of God is alive, but now I, I have a deeper understanding because life is in the blood, and Jesus' life is is in these pages. From Genesis to Revelation, uh, it's covered in the blood, and, in the, and it's because the life of the blood that makes this book alive. And that may sound like an outlandish statement to some, specifically if maybe you don't know the Lord, but hopefully as we as we dig a little bit further, you'll understand this. And that's why I said it's, it's really geared towards a Christian audience in, in this specific occasion. So let me let me keep going here. I'm going to cover some things from, from a medical definition about blood. So blood is the fluid that circulates through the hearts, the arteries, the capillaries, the veins, which is the chief means of transport through the body. So it goes in and out from head to toe the entire body. It transports oxygen from the lungs to the body tissues, carbon dioxide from the tissues to the lungs. It transports nutritive, nutritive substances and metabolites to the tissues, removes waste product to the kidneys and, their, and other organs of excretion. It has an essential role in the maintenance of fluid balance. So if we were to summarize this and summarize the functions of the blood, it transports oxygen and nutrients to the lung and the tissues. It forms blood clots to prevent excessive uh, blood loss. It carries cells and antibodies that fight infections. It brings waste to the kidneys and the liver, which filter and clean the blood, and it regulates the body temperature. So it, 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 it's an agent that flows in and out throughout the entire body, and we're going to get a little bit more into it, but it's delivering the, the, the nutrients that, that are required for life, but it's also taking out and removing the waste material, and it's moving it to the kidney and the liver and, and processing it and, and letting those waste products be ex, uh, expelled from the body. So obviously it plays a, a tremendous role in the body. So I'm going to go back and forth here for a couple of slides. I'm going to go back to what Leviticus says. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. This is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus and this goes back to the uh, to the priests and, and, and the, the Jewish people 
where they would make sac blood, blood or animal sacrifices that uh, obviously constitute blood, and that would be for the atonement of your sins. You know, you, we've just recently finished the High Holy Day and, and the Day of Atonement, and that is what they would do at those times, and they still do today in, in Israel today. So, boom, I'm going to go right back, and, and, and I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this purposefully. So I want to get a little bit more into the physiology of the blood. So there are many different types of tissues in the human body. There are muscles, nerves, fat, glands, bones, and connective tissues. Uh, all of these tissues have one thing in common. They are fixed cells. They are microscopically small with very limited function. Unlike these fixed tissues, the blood is fluid and mobile, not limited to one part of the body, but it moves freely throughout the entire body. Uh, and this is really the, the, the supply of the fixed cells with the nourishment and the carrying of waste products. This is what we call metabolism. This is why a lot of times if people who are prone to gaining weight, they might have a slower metabolism than others who have a faster metabolism and that can burn that energy and that nutrition that comes into the body and, and cleanse faster. The human body holds about five quarts of blood the blood is pumped by the heart, and it circulates through the system every, uh, roughly every 23 seconds so that every cell in the body is constantly supplied, supplied and cleansed. At the same time, it is in constant communication with every other cell in the body. Blood is the most mysterious of all tissues, being composed of scores of elements and compounds and strange chemical bodies whose function is not yet fully understood but all has to do with the mystery of life. Remember what, what was said in Leviticus, for the life is in the blood. Once the blood fails to reach the cells and the members of the body, they promptly die and no man dies until the blood stops to circulate. So I just want to pause here for a second and, and consider what, what was just laid out. So we all have these different cells that are lined up at different parts of the body. Uh, you know, for lack of, lack of a better word, they're, they're somewhat stationary or they're assigned to that location. It, it, it could be a muscle, it could be the, the heart, it could be a, uh, uh, an organ in the body, it could be the brain, the eyes, you know, and so forth. You get the idea. But the blood is what's circulating throughout. The blood is delivering the nutrition and it's cleansing and it's removing. And every 23 seconds, so it's in constant movement and it's in constant communication. So, for instance, if there's a problem, it said if, you know, if there's excessive blood loss, it forms a blood clot. So it knows, oh, we've got a problem, let's say, at this part of the body, somebody injured their leg, perhaps. So it, it, the, the body, it, it, in the marvelous design how God created us, moves to that part of the body and, and it does what it needs to do. When the blood stops circulating is when we die. So, you know, for those of you who... Maybe you're familiar, you've seen some, uh, had some real life occurrences or, you know, you've watched TV and, you know, you may see somebody shot or presumed dead on, on, on a television show or a movie or, you know, whatever. What do they do a lot of times? You know, they'll, they'll check the artery. They're checking for the circulation of the blood. Is the blood circulate? The blood's not circulating. It's the person is dead. So there's life in the, in, in the blood. So what was laid out in Leviticus thousands and thousands of years ago is medically accurate to what we know today. And I, I want to, uh, I, I, I just want you to understand and, and to take all of these functions of what the blood does medically and now start to think about 
the body of Christ, the, the blood of Jesus, and how that applies. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lay out some things that I've, I've observed and how, what I took out of this, and hopefully, you know, you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. So let me, let me cut to this slide. Uh, sorry, let me go here. So the blood of Jesus is also fluid. It's able to reach every single member of the body no, far, no matter how far they are removed. Just as the blood supplies the food elements for nutrition and life, then carries off the waste products and the poison, so does Jesus' blood provide the support of sustenance and life. But he also cleanses us daily. When we go before the Lord uh, daily, and, and hopefully, um, you know, that's what we want to ascribe to. And I realize that, you know, everybody's not there, and I'm certainly not there. You know, I, I do my best, but I fall every day. Um, but my point is that relationship with Jesus is always there for us. And he's, and as soon as, you know, we recognize sin in our life and we ask for forgiveness, it's immediately washed. It's immediate. So that cleansing properties that we see that's in the blood, uh, um, today medically can be applied to the blood of Jesus in the body. Remember he is the head and the church is his body. We are his body. Every drop of blood which flowed from Jesus' body is still in existence today. The blood that flowed from his entire body in, in his crucifixion was never destroyed because it is incorruptible. And I'm going to be proving this medically, how we know that his blood was incorruptible and how we know he was that perfect man. Uh, Acts 17, 26, I just want to take a pause here because it says, and hath made of one blood all nations of men. So I, I, I just wanted to um, get that point across before we go any further, um, and, and, and you'll see why. So we are all related. We maybe have different skin pigmentations, different ethnicities, different parts of uh, coming from different nations, different parts of the earth, but we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are all one blood, and, and, and Jesus laid it out there in, in the book of Acts. So Think, considering all of these things so far, I, I'm asking you, do you see any relationship or correlation to what we've observed in science to what the body, to what is in the body of Christ, what is in the church today? And, and I would say yes. And I'm just going to give you a few things, uh, you know, that I've observed that, that come to mind as, I, as I've studied this. And, you know, I look at the body of Christ, and remember, uh, the blood is in touch with every cell and every member of the body, every fiber, every tissue. Uh, and, and just as we have the entire body of Christ, different churches, different denominations, um, but we're all reconciled together. So we, you know, if you think about the, the book of Revelation and uh, uh, wh where it talks about the seven churches, you know, you can say that they were potentially seven different denominations, but as long as they are striving for a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, and they may have some different things that you may agree or disagree with, that's fine. Uh, but but we're all you know supposed to be operating together. Then, if you're following me on video, I show you a, a on the top right a slide that shows different uh, um, occupations that people have from doctor, nurse, teacher, businessman, uh, blue collar worker, athlete. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. But what's interesting to me is we're all called with, you know, with, with different talents and gifts, and uh, we all have different 
meetings, but if we are operating and moving towards the goal of using your gift to glorify God, however God made you, whether he's given you administrative skills, whether he's given you creative skills, whether he's given you analytical skills, uh, organizational skills, whatever they are, if you're doing that to glorify him in one form or another, it doesn't always have to be with church. You know, it can be in your neighborhood. It can be in your workplace. It can be in your job. Um, but if you're doing that, what he called you to do to glorify him, you're operating and you're doing your part as a cell, as a tissue in your part of the body so that the entire body functions as one. Um, and then, you you know, you just think of the church and coming together, uh, coming together, the, 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 the different people, but for one purpose, to glorify the Lord and to honor him and to, you know, uh, um, again, just come together and how we can operate cohesively as one unit, one body, and, and perhaps it's different churches lining up and doing things together. So that's some of the things that I've observed that, that kind of stuck out to me. So, uh, you know, I, I say to you, does that make sense to you? Or, you know, or is there anything that you would add to that? Because um, I, I think there's some very, very deep revelation there for those who, you know, be willing to look. So I want to go back to Genesis for a second here. Um, I'm going to go back to the slide. I want to, if you're following me on video, where it says number one in the middle there on the left, just follow me for a second. Um, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life and fowl that may fly above the earth in open firmament of the heaven. What I just want to very quickly establish is the, the animals came first before man and that they had life. And if life is in the blood, then the blood was already issued to the animals, not the same um, as human beings, but in order for them to sustain life, uh, they were put there before God created man. So uh, just a side note that the animal's blood came before the uh, before man's blood. So if I go down to uh, number two on the lower right, and it says, and, uh, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, he only did this to man. He did not do that to the animals. The animals, as I said, they were put forth on the earth and, and they were created. But God did something very unique and very special to you and to me and to all mankind where he breathed his life. And I'm making an assumption here. I can't say this with uh, uh, absolute certainty, but if life is in the blood and he breathed life into us, then the blood began to circulate. Uh, that That is what I would take out of it. Um, I, I, I will say that, you know, I've heard, uh, I think, one, maybe two people over the years who think that Adam may not have blood because he was created by man as a spirit-type being. Um, I disagree with it, but, you know, uh, and, and the, these are some of the reasons that I would disagree with it. Uh, so now let me jump to number three on this. And uh, so, so it says, now talking about the tree of the Garden of Eden and the sin that we all know about, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they shall not eat of it. For in the day thou, that thou eats of it, they shall surely die. So, meaning that your blood will stop to circulate. Another reason I would say Adam had blood. Um, so, you know, Adam, I, I believe, I, I, I'm going to say 969 years, maybe 930 years. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he would have potentially lived much, much longer, uh, but because of sin. So that sin interrupted and corrupted 
the bloodline. It corrupted his blood. So where his blood was circulating and, and moving and operating in the way perfectly that the Lord created and designed him, he was walking with the Lord. He was talking with the Lord. He had incredible talents and attributes that, that the Lord had bestowed upon him and, and, and Eve. So all of that became corrupted. Once sin entered, it entered into the bloodstream and it corrupted, it corrupted the bloodstream and corrupted Adam's life because then Adam's life was cut short, shorter from what it should have been. So now, I, hopefully I'm, I'm laying the framework here. I'm saying, okay, well, how do we get from death to life? Because Jesus did die and Adam died. So how do, how do we get this life back? So all men are related by the blood of Adam. We laid that out. All men uh, are, are one blood, uh, which is sinful and polluted, dead in trespasses and sin. This blood carries the sentence of death because of Adam's sins. If a man must die, that means death is in the blood. If life is in the blood and you're going to die, death is in the blood. So although we do not know the nature of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we know that eating it caused what I am calling a blood poisoning. Uh, then this resulted into death. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. And just a side note, what Romans 5.12 says, though one man through, through Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So it gives you that, that foundation, that, that sin that came about because of Adam, it spread to all men. That's why I said it's, it's, it's like a blood poisoning of, of, of all mankind. So blood, it turns out, is the driving factor of the virgin birth. Because, and, and well, you'll see, if Jesus was to be a son of Adam, remember he's the second Adam, but yet a sinless man, he needed to partake in Adam's flesh, which is not inherently sinful. It's not Adam's blood. Adam's blood is inherently sinful because it was completely sinful. So God provided a way by which Jesus, born of a woman, not man, could be a perfect human being. And I'll show you why. This is what I'm titling The Miracle of Innocent Blood uh, on the video. And this is really, this is a profound revelation and understanding of, of, of the nature of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. So the blood which flows in an unborn baby's arteries and veins is not produced by the mother, mother but is produced in the fetus itself. So it is the, the fetus that produces its own blood. It is never given or transported from the mother. And this happens only after the sperm has entered the ovum and the fetus begins to develop. Then the blood appears. So I give you the analogy on the video slide uh, of, of the, uh, the sperm entering the, the egg and then that would give it life. And we know that Holy Spirit... Um, moved on Mary, which created Jesus. But in doing so, it was not Mary's blood because Mary's blood would have been tainted by uh, the, the, the lineage of, of, of Adam. But Jesus was able to, in our body chemistries today, and you know, I must say this, that um, science bears this out, that the baby in the, in the fetus creates its own blood. So, introduction of the sperm and the incubation process uh, bringing to light the presence of the life in an embryo. After a few hours, only a few hours after 
this happens, uh, we begin to see red streaks, which are the which is the blood that forms directly into the fetus. So it is the fetus that's creating it. The mother provides the fetus, uh, which is the unborn developing infant, with the nutri- nutritive elements for the building of that little body in the secret of her womb. So the womb which, you know, uh, the body is in, that's where the nutrition is. But all of the blood which forms in it is formed in the embryo itself. So from conception to birth, not one single drop of blood passes from mother to child. Think about that. This is how we have, and so this is heaven's blood. This is blood that the Holy Spirit left uh, heaven, came into the earth, and moved on Mary, and Jesus, and that blood was created directly from the throne room of heaven. Uh, It just blows me away. On a side note, the placenta, the the temporary mass tissue that that we know is after birth, uh, it forms the link between the mother and the child. It is so constructed that all soluble nutritive elements such as proteins, fats, carbohydrates, salts, minerals, and even antibodies pass freely from mother to child. The waste products of the child's metabolism is passed back to the mother's circulation not where there is no actual interchange of a single drop. All of the blood within the child is produced by the child. Jesus' blood was produced by Jesus. That's the best and clearest way I can say this. The mother does not contribute any blood at all. And that's how we get that perfect human being. He had to still walk it out and, and, and as a perfect man, and his actions had to line up. But the blood of Jesus, that redeeming, sanctifying, holy blood of Jesus went from heaven directly, and it was created by Jesus and eventually shed on the cross. And we're going to see how this really plays out in, 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 in the grand scheme of things. Um, how can a man be sinless? In order to produce a sinless man who would be the son of Adam, God provided a way where we would have a human body derived from Adam, but the blood from a separate source. I'll cut back to video for this for a second. Uh, so Jesus was a perfect human being after the flesh. He was the seed of David according to the flesh, but the blood is that part of a man which is the divine addition. In the creation of man, Adam's body was made from the dust of the earth, but God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Since life is in the blood, this act resulted in the formation of blood in Adam's body, but the first Adam's blood was corrupted and sin in all mankind since God hath made one blood of all nations. Remember what I said that earlier. In the last Adam and the second man, new, divine, sinless blood was produced in a body that was the seed of Adam. And by this, it resulted in the production of divine blood. So that's why the blood is so special. It was created by Jesus himself, shed by Jesus. No man touched it. No man tainted it. So with all of this in mind, I want you to think about the new birth. And I'm going to talk about something that, you know, unfortunately, over the years, um, people have attacked it. You know, uh, they've attacked certain Christians if you say you're born again. But yet Jesus said, you must be born again and to enter into the kingdom of heaven. They've tried to label it as a religion or this and that. It, it is the foundation of Christianity. The new birth represents 
you accepting Jesus into your life and Holy Spirit coming in and living and, and residing in you. So I want to go to John 3.18 because I believe I saw something here when I was studying the blood that lined up to me and I said, oh, now I get it. So um, it, it says here, there was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus' reply was, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answers, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now think about, what, what, hopefully if you're watching me on video, or, or if not, just imagine, Holy Spirit is what delivers the, uh, um, the sperm in, into, into, the, uh, into the mother's um, uh, embryo, or creating the embryo, I should say. Um, and that is what happens with you when we're born again. It is a spiritual life. It is a, is it a new birth spiritually, but it's it's the same. You're replicating what happened, where that where Holy Spirit moved on, on Mary. Holy Spirit is moving on us. You know, uh, we're being drawn into the kingdom and, and 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 to fellowship by Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit is bringing into us the new birth that was created in Christ. That we are new creations in Christ Jesus is what the Word of God says. So that is the new birth. That is that we are we have this incorruptible. Uh, uh, potential, I'll put it, because we're all sinners, but that that blood, that regal blood, that div- divine divinity that that was in in heaven that came unto Mary, that is the blood that has been shed abroad for all sins, so that all may be forgiven. So think about what script when Scripture says things like, "You are considered to be a friend of God, you are a royal priesthood." Why? Because you know, and and I don't say this like blow yourself up or egotistically this is about what god has done to you and and thought so much of you he called you a peculiar people um because if you have the flavor of jesus you're going to be you're going to be peculiar uh you may not seem peculiar to members of the body of christ and maybe uh you know others but to others you may be uh because you've got a flavor about you that's a little bit that's a lot different uh he the word of god says you're ambassadors for christ if you think of an ambassador going to another nation, he's representing that leader. So I'm an American. If an American president sent me to Ireland to be the Irish ambassador, I would speaking be speaking and representing the words of the American president. I would be saying to him what, what I was told, and, and, and it would be translated that way because that American president trusts that person that he assigned to be the ambassador. And, 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 and you know, really that's what Jesus is saying is, you're an ambassador for Christ. I'm trusting you here on earth to represent me. That, that's the magnitude of what we have, the salt of the earth. And it says we are joint heirs with Christ. So in that new birth, we are brothers and sisters. We, are, we have been given, uh, uh, you know, there, there was a down payment that was, that was paid for with the blood of Jesus and, and the Father willing to, to give him up. I'm going to take a very quick detour because while I'm on Adam and Jesus, it doesn't have to do with the blood, but I just wanted to share this real quick. It'll just take a minute. And it's about the tree uh, because it's, it's really, it's, 
direct correlations from Adam to Jesus, but involving the tree of life versus the tree that that was cut and uh, that was uh, put together for the cross. Because remember, the cross that wood came from a tree. So Adam, a choice regarding a tree that impacted history, Romans 5:12 and 1 Corinthians 15. Um, three things: Adam fell. Adam and all men lost access to the tree of life. Remember. Um, uh, God's actually assigned cherubim to it, to guard it. Uh, men began to be separated from God because of sin, and all of creation was cursed by God. Uh, the, the flip side of that, which is uh, Jesus and the tree that he was hung on, now we can all regain access to the tree of life. We have access to the tree of life. Jesus made fellowship with God possible. Remember, Adam was walking in the Garden of Eden. We can walk with the Lord. You may not see him, and you will see him one day, but we can have walking and talking and conversation, which is a two-way conversation, which in part is prayer. And three, all of creation will be cleansed of the curse. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Now I'm going to go to some Old and New Testament things that, that bear witness that I, I think give us a direct understanding of the Old Testament and the New Testament and the blood. So hear me out. I'm, I'm Hebrews 9, 1 through 14, this is referencing. So when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is the part of creation. So this is Jesus entering into the throne room of heaven, into the Holy of Holies, direct access. He's not going through the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament temple. Um, he went once and for all to the holy place, into the presence of God, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, having obtained and secured eternal redemption uh, for the sprinkling of, of, of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes uh, uh, and the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the cleansing of the body. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished and for, uh, without, more, uh, without moral or spiritual imperfection as a sacrifice. So he came in with the perfect sacrifice um, and, and he brought it into the throne room of heaven. And I'll show you where in a minute. The, the, the correlation to that is in, uh, is, is in Leviticus when, when the Lord says, he says, tell Aaron your brother that he must not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, or he will die, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. So there's very, very specific uh, um, uh, rules, if you will, uh, you know, that were requirements that were laid out for the priest before they could enter in. And, you know, you can go on. There's instances there where they did not, and they wound up dying. Um, he shall enter the holy place in this, in this way with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering. Side note, I'm showing you one, two, three, four, five, six highlights of, uh, in magenta of mercy seat. This becomes important in, in, in a minute because we're going to reference the mercy seat in the throne room of heaven. But this is where the blood needed to be uh, uh, accounted for. Uh, verse 14, down below in the gray highlight, he shall take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his fingers on the east side of the mercy seat, also in front of the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. And we all know that seven is the number of perfection. So it goes on here. But, you know, the point is, in the Old Testament, you had uh, um, the, high, the priest going in, offering the sacrifices of animals, very, very specific things. 
And then Jesus took that place as high priest for us and entered into the throne room of heaven. So I'm going to go back to the New Testament again. Um, Hebrews 9, 15 through 28. Uh, for this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator of a new covenant, so that those who have been called by God may receive the, uh, the promise of eternal inheritance. Since a death has taken place, which redeems them uh, from the sins committed un, un, under the obsolete first covenant. Goes on to say, for where there is a will and testament involved, the death of the one who makes it must be established, for a will and testament takes the effect only at death and, and, and is never in force as long as that person is alive. So very, you know, common sense today. If, if somebody in your family, uh, somebody who had some money or possessions and they wanted to leave it to you, when they die, they leave it to you. Uh, that is in your last will and testament. So when Jesus died, he left to you his last will and testament, which is really he's given you everything. But he, that became official, sealed, and ratified with the death of Jesus. So even the first covenant was not put into force without the shedding of blood. So it is with the new covenant. Verse 20 says this, This is the blood of the covenant that seals and ratifies the agreement which God ordained and commanded, and in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the containers and the sacred utensils of the worship for blood. So all of those containers, all of those utensils, the, 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 the chalices, the cups, the plates, everything was there. Everything was very, very specific. There was one thing that was missing that we did, that we see in, the, in, in heaven's throne room that we did not see while here on earth. And I'll show you what that is. Um, for Christ did, did not enter into a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one. He entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. So he's coming into, into heaven. Uh, so Christ, having been offered once and for all to bear the sin of many, he will appear a second time when he returns, and he's returning with the blood. We're going to cover that. So everything, the stage is now set for him to enter into the throne room of heaven, and I'm going to cover this two ways. Um, after Christ made atonement with his death, he rose from the tomb uh, as eternal high priest. He, uh, let me cut to video for you. So I have this here. Um, he ascended into heaven to present the blood directly into the holy of holies where God dwells. And that blood today is pleading and prevailing for us. The priest in the tabernacle never spoke a word. He just presented the blood. Perhaps there is a golden chalice in heaven where every drop of his precious blood is still in existence. Perhaps we don't know. But there is something in heaven that we do know that was not present on earth. The priest in the earthly tabernacle needed to repeat the sprinkling over and over again. And we see this today. You know, the, 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 every year you have these, these, uh, these celebrations, the holidays, as, as I said, the uh, Feast of Atonement. So the priest in the earth, earthly tackle ne needed to repeat the sprinkling as a significant fact. There is no chair. And what do I mean by that? We read the altar, uh, the table, the candlestick, the Lord's Ark, but no mention of a chair. This signifies the work of the earthly priest who sprinkles the blood of the animal sacrifice. It was never done. Hebrews 10. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins, 
But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So the difference is the chair. is He sits at the right hand of the Father. That chair is what makes the difference. It's because the, 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 uh, it's complete. The mission is complete. He's done everything that he needs to do. Um, and, and, you know, again, he's, it, it says he, he waits for his enemies to be his footstool. So what I want to cover here is just a very brief, I'm going to show you a, a chart that I used in reference when I talk about what happened in the three days between crucifixion and resurrection. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I'm just going to kind of give you a high-level overview and where it ends up, because it's specifically in reference to what we're talking about. So I gave you some numbers. So if you're following me on video, I'm going to cut back to the slide. Then you certainly you have the cross, and then directly to the right of the cross, uh, with the tomb. And what happens after he dies? He goes to what, what is known as Sheol or Hades, depending on the Hebrew or the Greek. And remember, you know, the person at the cross where he's the, 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 the sinner, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, and, and so he goes down there and he releases and there's a, a, um, a group of, uh, of people, Old Testament saints, you know, people who have won the race, um, who did this, who, who knew the Lord, gave themselves to the Lord um, before Jesus. So we can talk about Joshua, we can talk about Abraham, we can talk about David, we can talk about Daniel, uh, we can talk about Jeremiah and so forth and so on. So I don't know whether two and three, you know, I, I can't say the specific order. This is a little bit of a guess to me. But he goes and it says that, he, you know, in Jude, he ministers to uh, the spirits in Tartarus and the abyss. And then he goes up. So then he appears as the, as the resurrected uh, um, first to Mary. And at, by number five, it says, do not hold me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. So he encounters Mary. And I'm not still not sure to this day, you know, why he encountered Mary, other than to say, "Do not touch me." So you can imagine Mary looking for Jesus, heartbroken, you know, followed him for years, loved him. He's gone, and then she sees him. So you would think, "I'm going to run and I'm going to hug him. I'm going to embrace him." And he's like, "Whoa! Don't touch me because I have not yet ascended to the Father." I am, I am, I am holy. I, I, I am coming to present myself up to the Father with the blood of Jesus. Um, so then we see, and I'll go back to the slide, slide six. He comes up to the throne room of heaven, and it is here he presents himself as high priest, sacrifice, and king simultaneously, depositing the blood into the mercy seat. And I believe that blood is there today. And then we see that there's 40 days where, you know, he appeared uh, as the resurrected Jesus. Um, but yet we, you know, haven't seen him since. And then, you know, there's the ascension where he's gone back to, to heaven. And then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit moves on Pentecost and, and we're able to receive him. And then he comes back uh, clothed in the robe, uh, dipped in blood. So that I think is a very significant factor. So the blood that is up from Jesus re remains in heaven. But what does it say when he comes back to earth? And, and I'm going to show you here on video. This is probably one of my favorite uh, paintings 
uh, of Revelation. And, and if you're not, if you're on podcast, um, it shows Jesus in a painting on, on the white horse. Um, and, and it says this, you know, I saw, and this is John's, uh, well, John's uh, reporting of it, I'll call it. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. His head are like many crowns. He is a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. So he's coming with uh, on his horse dipped in blood. And interestingly, you know, this shows, this painting shows it as, uh, you know, Jesus in, in, in red with it to, to signify it. But, you know, it, it says in scripture that he remembers your sins no more as far as the east is from the west. And he cleanses your sins as, as white as crimson snow. So blood in, in the resurrected blood, the blood of heaven is not necessarily the color of the blood of what we think. And, and, and I can't say this for sure. We'll know one day. But I know that the Lord is is light in his presence. And I'm just reading what he said, so I'm imagining something. Um, but nonetheless, it's so important that he's coming back, returning once and for all to settle everything. And it's going to be in a short while uh, where he's clothed and dipped in blood. So that is the royalty, that is the magnitude, that is the significance of what has been shed on the cross of Calvary for you so that all sins may be forgiven. And I just close you with this, this one slide to remember. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power to break addictions. There is power to break failed marriages. There is power to break uh, uh, um, any, any type of sin, whether you're um, a murderer. You know, you can be forgiven for that. Uh, no matter what you've done, everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way that we can find that redemption with him is by accepting him, answering the call, because really Jesus is calling all of us. I think if we're going to be honest with one another, we, we recognize the word of God says, I knock on the door of your heart, but will you answer? Will you let me in? And that's really what it is. And if you do, no matter what you've done, uh, everything will will be resolved once you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So uh, that that's it. You know that that that's it. But I just again I marvel at the details of the Lord. And if you think about those cleansing properties of, of the blood of Jesus operating in the Bible, delivering its nutrition, and then also uh, um, um, re removing any type of uh, um, properties that need to be, you know, any, any, any type of poisons or toxins that need to be removed from the body, that to me is, is simultaneous with sin. Sin is being removed from the body and the glory of the Lord is moving in and it's constantly in circulation. So I, I, I just want to thank you again for your time. It's, it's something I always, you know, appreciate, never taken for granted. Uh, if you have questions or comments or, or, or maybe you have some revelations about this, some new information, I'd love to hear from you. Please email russicoutlook at gmail.com uh, or, you know, write it on, on whatever these platforms you're watching or listening to. I'd love to hear it there as well and comment. And uh, I just, again, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. So uh, my name is Mark. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.